0: You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Let's go into the Word of God a little bit, and uh, I wanted to just read one scripture. I'm going to just kind of pull off of one particular scripture here, um, and it is John chapter one, verse fourteen. Okay, John chapter one, verse fourteen, and I'll springboard from this. All right. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray for a moment. Father, would you let this word just uh, sink into us? Would you give us revelation today, Lord, understanding, insight, Lord, that we might grasp the depth of what you have done in sending your Son to this earth to die for our sins. God, we want very much to be able to see the Old Testament come alive before us. We want to see what you were doing as you were screaming things out through the Old Testament symbols and types, Lord, to us. And uh, I pray, Lord, that the, the things that are said today will... Bring you glory and honor, and they will make sense to us, God, and that they will have impact upon our lives. Lord, let me decrease. You increase through me today, Lord, that you might get the glory. And would you help every heart here today to be established in truth, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Augustine was referring to the Bible in, in a quote, and he said, The new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new Revealed, And it is up to us to go and find that, that is, sometimes in some ways hidden or shadowed in the Old Testament. Uh, but I promise you that the more you know Jesus, and this is one of the reasons why I think it was important to leave types and shadows to the end of the series on, uh, called Centered, is that the more you know Jesus and the more you understand about the life of Jesus, uh, the easier it is to dig into the Old Testament and start to see him. You know, the more you know the real Jesus, the more you will see him being, being shown or being, being uh, illustrated or symbolized in some way within the Old Testament. And so I think it's exciting when we start to, to, to look at things like the tabernacle, for instance, and we begin to see these, this imagery or this shadow, if you will, start to appear. And we all go, oh, look at that. That is like Jesus. And you may have done that in the past, but not, not did it so much intentionally looking at it as a type or trying to identify it as a shadow. Our silhouette of Jesus, or trying to go in there to find something and pull it out and say, "This, yes, this is Jesus in this particular passage." All right, um, but uh, Augustine was referring to this fact that that many of these items, many of these people in the Old Testament, they serve to point ahead. All right, uh, to things that that more clearly are revealed in the New Testament, as we've talked about in, in the past. All right, so I, I think this is the idea that is in, in Paul's mind when when he says, "Now." All things happened unto them for examples, all right? And they are written for our admonition, all right? They're for us to learn something from. They're for us to gain something from. So we don't just read the Old Testament as a storyline. We don't just go along and read it as a neat little story or a romantic part of Scripture. We do it with the intent of searching out and finding that place, that point that references the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Because that's when it has real impact, I think, all right? There's nothing wrong with with reading devotionally, but sometimes you just need to get in there and start searching for Jesus. You know, just look for him, hunt for him, all right? Try to find him. Jesus says, "When when you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you. And we, we understand that in the, in, the, in, the, in the greater sense of that. But I think when we get in the scriptures and we start to read with the intent that I want to find Jesus in this passage. I want to find Jesus in this particular book. I want to find Jesus in this uh, storyline here. Uh, Jesus will reveal himself. He will show you where he is. He will show you how he lives in that and how he speaks out of that and how he, he sort of breathes out of that into our lives, all right? So I hope that, if, if nothing else, these messages on types and shadows are helping you and, and creating in you a bit of a hunger to go in the Word of God and find Jesus in places that you maybe haven't found him before, all right? So, uh, all of these types in the, in the Old Testament that we've been talking about, they're very rich, they're very, very wonderful, but I don't think that there is one any richer, uh, if you will, in the symbolism than the tabernacle. I think it's absolutely astounding when you, when you get into that. Now, there's some guys that this is all they do, they just study the tabernacle, and they teach the tabernacle, and you can, you can find those guys online, and I'm not... I'm not be, being critical about them at all. Just, that's all they do. You know, is they're just focused there and, and nowhere else. You know. But it's a beautiful place to to springboard from. All right. But they can, they can give you all the nuances and all the little minute details. And 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 if we wanted to, to to break all of that down here, we could spend a year on the tabernacle. You know, just as we did on Jesus. But but I want to try to give you just a few things this morning that I think are really, really Wonderful about this particular um, typology or this 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 relationship between Jesus and the tabernacle, if, if you will, so with that let's just talk about it for a few minutes all right um, this verse John chapter one verse fourteen I want to I want to start there um, because I, I believe that that this is is the essence of Christmas and uh, it is December first and we're going into the, the Christmas season here, and I want to try to try, try to parallel that just a little bit here this morning with this teaching about the tabernacle. But I believe that this is an amazing verse here because it, it speaks of the incarnation of the Son of God. It speaks of, of the Word coming, being made flesh, dwelling, if you will, among us, all right? It doesn't only tell us that, 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 that Jesus, God's Son, became incarnate, but it tells us um, that He did this full of grace and full of truth, all right? There's there's such purpose in Jesus' coming, all right? Uh, He's the the great blessing for humankind, if you will. He's the the answer. He's he's everything, all right? And as as you and I are proceeding uh, towards the holiday and and celebrating Christmas with our family and all of that, I hope that you're going to see that, that the incarnation of the Son of God is sort of prefigured from way back in the Old Testament. And when you start to hear some of these Old Testament passages through the holidays, it's going gonna, it's gonna to just tweak your ear a bit more. You're just going gonna, to gonna go, ah, oh yeah, that, that even makes more sense now. That, that's, that's even more real to me now. And I think that sometimes because we haven't seen Jesus so much in the Old Testament... And, and, and no one's fault necessarily, but, but we, don't, we don't necessarily preach that from the pulpit, that you need to go find Jesus in all of these passages. And when we're preaching out of the Old Testament, we don't always uh, look at, well, well here's, here's Jesus right here. We don't point those things out every time. But, but I think it's powerful when we do, because then it becomes much richer in the things that we celebrate. And I think the holidays is one of those kinds of things that you're going to be able to celebrate even more because you're going to see this sort of prefigured or, or typified Jesus in, in the Old Testament. You know, all this knowledge of, that we have of the Old Testament and, and the prophecies and the promises of the coming of Christ are, are, are wonderful, all right? But, but I'm not sure that many of us realize how Frequently in how many different ways this happens throughout the scriptures. So I'm, I'm really trying to encourage you this morning at the onset here. Is that in this year of 2014 that is coming up. And, and we're going to really call you in this year to uh, a, a tremendous level of consecration and commitment to God. Matter of fact I've asked other fellows to join me in the, in the month of January. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach to you. Uh, A sermon out of my heart challenging you to be consecrated, to be set apart. Um, But I don't feel any means that I have it all or that I could give you everything that you need. And uh, sometimes you need another perspective on some things besides just mine. I love being your pastor. I want to be your pastor. I intend to continue to be your pastor, but I realize that I have a great deal of limitations in myself and that there are others that can bring more and make it richer to you. And so I, I, I can't give you a huge buffet, but I can give you a couple of plates, okay? Um, and so I've asked Pastor Dave to take a Sunday uh, in, in the month of January and he gets to choose his passage of scripture and he gets to share it with you, but it's a call to consecration. Uh, and, and, and it's like convocation. It's like solemn assembly, you know, calling you to, to live a holy life. I've asked Nathan, uh, Dr. Hitchcock, to, uh, to also take a Sunday and I've asked him to choose a passage of scripture. And, uh, and I'm, I'm not giving these guys the passage. I'm not giving us a passage that we all build off of or anything like that. that each, each man gets... His own from the Holy Spirit, but the idea is a call to consecration, a call to saying, Hey, in in 2014, I'm setting my life apart for noble purses. Chris is going to preach to you his first uh, official full sermon in Life Church in the month of January. Um, And uh, he has the same assignment it's a call to consecration. I already know the the passage that I think he's going to be using, and it's an awesome one. All right, It's going to really convict us and really challenge us. Um, But but the four of us are going to ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and help us to know what it is that we need to give to you as the body of Christ of Life Church in this this month-long call to being set apart. And I want you to take it really seriously. I I want you to be very, very diligent about this and very intentional to say, you know what, there are areas of my life that need to be honed. There's some places where I really need to pull up the the bootstraps, so to speak. You know, there's some places that I really need to address. There's some things I just need to get taken care of with God. There's some, there's some unfinished business here. There's an issue that's, that, that hasn't been dealt with here. There's a sin that I need to address in my own heart here. And let God get a hold of you in this month of, of being set apart. And much like the Israelites, we are setting ourselves apart because we want God to do come and do a great thing in life, church. And so we're saying, you know what? We're willing to pay whatever price is necessary to do that. And so I hope that you've had a, a great year of focusing in on Jesus. Uh, and in these last few Sundays, we're, we're giving you these types, this richness from the Old Testament and trying to bring it alive to you. And we're doing all of that in order to set in place this, this opportunity for you now to say, okay, now with all this that I have, this understanding of Christ, I am going to position myself to be a holy man or a holy woman of God. And I'm going to be relentless. And I'm gonna make I'm gonna make changes. I I fully believe that we will see each other change. I am praying to God that you see me change in this coming year. That you see a dramatic difference in me spiritually. All right? I, I want to be, I want to be uh, deeper. I want to be broader. I want to be cleaner. I want to be wider. There's, there's a person in this church and they took a, uh, a journey a, a number of years ago. I'll never forget it. And they left here not knowing really exactly where they were going and what they were going to do and what they would encounter. But this person called me. I still remember the, the place I was standing and the, and the phone that I used. It, we didn't have cell phones at that time. Um, at least I didn't have one. They were really big then. I didn't like, like the look of them. Um, but he called, and, and I answered the phone at the, at the church, and he said to me, Pastor Bill, he said, I'm so clean, I squeak. <laughs> I'm so clean, I squeak, and that's what I want. I, I, don't, I, don't, want, I don't want any little specks, you know, I, 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 I want to be clean enough that I squeak with God, all right? And, and I, I want that for you. And so, so I'm, I have an expectation of God that he's going to move mightily through this, this coming year. But I have an expectation of myself. And that is that I'm going to change. And I'm going to grow closer to God. And I'm going to grow deeper in my faith. But I'm also going to be a more holy and righteous man than I ever have been in my life. I want to be dedicated to him. I want to be set apart to God. For his service. And I want that for each and every one of you, too. So as we, as we go forward, I want to see this richness of what is being brought to us out of Scripture uh, working in our hearts. That's going to happen when you and I are in the Word. And I know so I, there's a number of you as I look around the room, and not everybody's here today by any means, but I know several of you that I'm looking at right now, and you said these words to me. But, but Pastor Bill, I'm not really a reader. I know that. But read. <laughs> okay, read, yeah. discipline yourself, take the time to get into the word, if you don't, I, I don't have a problem if you don't read a whole lot of other books, but get into the word, let this be a year in the word, in truth, all right, because I want all of this to come alive for you, just the way it's going to come alive for everybody else, I don't want any of you uh, going, ah, oh, you know, I should have got on board, I should have, I missed it. I didn't, I didn't really get in there. I didn't really jump in with everybody else. And I wish I had it because now I feel like I'm left out or I feel like I'm, I'm way behind. I want you to be a part of this. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Notice this word dwelt here. The word in the original Greek, the meaning is to dwell. All right, It's connected to the idea of like living and even like living in a tent. All right? Um, and, and, and the, the, the word tent in, in, in the Greek is, is sort of like that. It's this idea of, of living temporarily, all right? And, uh, you know, St. Paul was, was a tent maker by, by trade. And um, so I think he understands some of this language really well. Um, but what it comes down to is that this passage is, has been translated uh, as he tabernacled or he tented among us, he dwelled among us, he tabernacled among us, meaning Jesus did, all right, and, and in that a, a tent or a tabernacle is a, a, a temporary dwelling, this word is, is used in this particular passage to sort of denote this kind of temporariness of Christ's earthly stay with us, all right, his time here on earth was very Temporary in a sense, all right? But it's doing more than that. And, and, and John is by the Holy Spirit drawing this connection, I believe, even between Christ and between this, this concept in the tabernacle of the Old Testament here. He's, he's playing on this a bit, all right? And, and for most people, the book of Exodus, I think, is really quite a a good read, all right? I think it's quite an exciting read until you get down to about chapter 25 and then it starts to get into all these details and then it gets a bit bogged down or it gets a bit boring for a lot of us, all right? But I want you to be able to get through that. I want you to be able to go through that, if you will, and I want you to begin to understand some of these details, all right? Some of some of the details, especially regarding the 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 building and the furnishings of the tabernacle or what it's called sometimes the tent of meeting. All right. Uh, Some of this maybe gets dry for you, but but if you just hang in there, I think you're going to start to see how that that these furnishings and these ceremonies and all this that are here is is the type of Christ, all right? And it's demonstrating, it's showing, it's screaming out this this saving work for the sinners that 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 jesus has done on the cross nexus 25 verse 8 we're told that that god commanded the israelites to build the tabernacle and and that to do that that he might dwell among them it was god's heart it was god's intent to dwell among his people all right and it was this this continual sort of like object lesson that would be going on with the tabernacle as the tabernacle was moved about it's an object lesson if you will of the presence of god it goes before them it's always there it's speaking to them all right all through this wandering in the wilderness then getting towards the promised land so i want you to see that it just screams this out all right it talks about about jesus the whole time that uh, the Israelites are, are, are wandering about. But the, the tabernacle is so much more than that even, all right? It's, it's, the, it's a type of and an anticipation, if you will, of Christ becoming flesh and dwelling or tabernacling among us. It's very prophetic in that sense. So, so much so that Isaiah speaks of, it calls Jesus Emmanuel, meaning God with us. God come to us. God tabernacling or dwelling among us, if you will. We could go into the, the details. I don't want to go too much into that. We could go into the details and start to see a lot of different things about the tabernacle that I think would speak to your hearts. It, it had two main rooms, if you will. The holy place, um, that place was entered frequently. It contained the candlestick and the menorah and the seven lights. It contained the table of showbread uh, the incense altar where they made uh, um, offerings daily, um, beyond the altar of the incense and beyond that the veil and the Holy of Holies. And In that Holy of Holies there was the Ark of the Covenant. This was a chest made of wood covered with gold. It was um, overlaid with, with solid gold and there was the mercy seat and the cherubim and all of those things. All right, um, That particular area would only be entered in once a year by the high priest all right, to make Atonement for, for uh, the sins of the, of the people. Outside would be a courtyard all around this, and just beyond the, the gate there, as, as you went back out, you would see the brazen altar. All right, and this is where the sacrifices were offered. Between that altar and between the tabernacle entrance was the laver, and the laver was filled with water, and that's where the priest would wash, and, and, and that was a symbolism of cleanliness. How does all this typify or or foreshadow Christ? Well, first of all, the tabernacle was a tent, all right? Uh, As were the dwellings of all the Israelites, okay? Everybody was wandering through the wilderness together, all right? And so as such, it it went through everything during the journey that the other tents did, all right? It, it, It experienced all of the adversities and all that was in the wilderness but nevertheless, it was God's unique dwelling place. So, so Christ, if you will, when he became a man and dwelt among us, he experienced the adversities and the temptations, if you will, that, that we experience. The Bible says in Colossians 2, 9, that, that in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, bodily, okay? And he... He is in this earth for a season, for a temporary amount of time. He is tabernacling, if you will, with us. And as he is doing that, he is experiencing all that you experience. And he is being tempted as you would be. Tempted. So in his little window of time here, just as the, the tabernacle moved about in the wilderness, in that little window of time in which the Israelites were moving towards the promised land, Jesus understands you and knows you and knows what you go through and what you are tempted with. He is not some aloof God up there somewhere who has no idea what is going on on the earth or what kinds of things you have gone through, all right? He tabernacled here, and He experienced your life. He experienced your adversities. He experienced your temptations in order that that He would know them in an earthly body. And He has been subject to everything that you have been subject to. He has been tempted in every way that you have been tempted. This Jesus knows you intimately. He understands where you are. He understands what you are going through. He understands the kinds of crazy things that go through your mind. He understands the weird questions that you pose inside. He understands the secret thoughts. He knows about the secret places. He knows what you're battling with and what you're fighting with. He knows how your body is responding and working with temptation. He understands every kind of of situation that the enemy will throw in front of you. He knows every snare of the fowler. He knows what has caught you in the past and what might catch you in the future. He knows. He knows. And so you and I can live with this understanding and this reality that this Jesus who calls us to repentance and calls us to live holy and righteous before him, he understands that we can do this. We don't, we, we don't always understand because we, we live in our, our finiteness and our limitations. And we, we live out of those limitations oftentimes. But the Bible encourages us that He is greater in us. See, he's still alive, He's a resurrected King. He's still alive in us, and He's working in us. And so, this Jesus who knows all of this is in you at work. And he is still working through your life. And so I, I want you to see the beauty here of, of what the tabernacle represents in this. Secondly, it, it, it sort of details the furnishings of the tabernacle. And they, they, they typify various phases and aspects of the, of, of the life of Christ or Christ's work in us. Or on our behalf. And let me let me just give you a few examples. There's this 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 bronze altar. It's a type of Christ, alright? It's, it's it represents the substitution and the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's the labor that we talked about there. Uh, it's, it's the type of Christ that is our cleansing, all right? Our regeneration, our our washing, if you will. The the, the priest had to to wash at the labor before he could go into the tabernacle. The candlestick is inside of the tabernacle on the table, if you will. The type of Christ as the light of the world, all right, the light that has come Uh, into darkness and the table of showbread is there as well It's also a type of christ if you will representing christ as the bread of life all right that that we feed upon that that brings us our sustenance and our strength there's the the incense altar there as well which also is a type of christ as our intercessor as our advocate the the, the incense going up representing the traveling of our prayers and our communion with god and, and Jesus is that intercessor, the one who communes with God on our behalf. He is the one we come to in order to be able to 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 uh, approach God. We have to go through. Jesus Christ. The mercy seat is there in the tabernacle. It is this type of Christ for our propitiation, all right? The mercy of God through Christ Jesus as he died on the cross to save us from sin that we could not save ourselves from. He became that substitute, if you will, that propitiation for us. Third thing is that even the order and the arrangement of the tabernacle's furnishings sort of typify Christ at 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 one end is this ark of the covenant if you will and this is the seat of of God's gracious presence. This is where the the holy God dwells, if you will. At at the other end is the bronze altar, the beginning place, which typifies the cross of Christ, the place of sacrifice, all right? The access to this deeper place, this presence of God, can only come through this particular way, all right? There is only one way. There is only one gate, by the way, into the tabernacle. There are not multiple entrances, if you will, to come in. There's only one way in, to the presence of God and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. So even the gate itself which is on the east side which by the way if you went in on the east side you had to go in through the tribe of Judah because the tribe of Judah was positioned and camped on the east side and it was always camped there and so the the tabernacle was set so that everybody when they would awaken in the morning and come out of their tents they would see the tabernacle they would behold the tabernacle regardless of what tribe they were in but it was Judah that was over here on the east side and the gate was right there and so those who went in as they went in they went through the tribe of Judah to get into the tabernacle isn't it amazing that Jesus is referred to as the lion of Judah the one the entrance in if you will and it is only through the Lord Jesus Christ that we are able to come in and meet with a holy God and and be cleansed so that we can stand before him uh, there, in in his presence this is, this is something that must come alive for you and for me all right it 's not something that that is just just a little story that we we get told in Sunday school or in kids church, and that that 's not a, a, a negative comment about about our children 's ministry in any way I, I think we have possibly the best children's ministry that's around. I think our curriculum and, and our teachers and, and uh, our, our, our directors are, are just, they're doing an amazing, amazing job. And, and here's what we want to do. The things that we're talking to you about, we want to be talking to them about. We want them to understand this same concept that every place you go and land in the scriptures, you're going to land on Jesus. All right, and and you will find something that will point to him, and it will direct you to him. When Christ died on the cross, the veil of the temple—that veil that separated the holy of holies—it split in two. This is the amazing thing, that, that this this is the wonder of wonders in this story. When Jesus is on the cross and he is dying for your sins, and he he gives up the ghost, as the Bible says, he he literally dies there. The Bible says that that, that that veil, there's some that, that I've read that say that, that, that from that place on Galgotha, that on that day and that, that, that particular time when Jesus died, you could have looked down the way. You could have looked down the hill from where Jesus was dying on the cross and you literally could have looked into the temple. Now, this would have been a grand and glorious temple. This wouldn't have been like the tabernacle in in the wilderness but there in that place where the Holy of Holies was and the veil was covering there it literally tore somehow it it ripped God ripped it into in order to expose this Holy of Holies, this place where Israel had known that God would dwell, this holy, holy place where God would dwell. And the, the priest would go in once a year and make this atonement, if you will. He would go in on the behalf of the people. And it was such a, a holy place that if the, the priest himself, if the high priest had sin in his life, he would be struck down. He would die. And so they would, they would tie this this, this this bell thing around his, his leg so that they could hear him while he's in there. He would make a little bit of noise. And and if it became dead silent, then they would pull the rope because they would know that the priest had died because he was unholy, because no unclean thing could approach the presence of God. And he would be struck dead because of his own sin. Ripped in two. Exposed by the death of the Son of God, paid the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This is an amazing, amazing thing for you and I. I want you to approach... I'm not a downer, please. You all know me, you know that. I'm not a downer. But I want you to approach this holiday with some seriousness. I want you to have joy You know, I want you you to sing carols. I want you to enjoy whatever you do. You know, whatever your family traditions are, I want you to enjoy them immensely. But here's what I want you to understand, is that there there is a richness that is a bit more sobering for us that I think we need to grab a hold of again. We need to revisit. We need to go back to that. Everybody's wanting to have a good time. I want to have a good time with you. All right? I, I want to celebrate. I want to enjoy life. I, but, but there's a part of me right now that is just really sensing that God is calling us to come back to some things. And I think there's a sobering aspect of what God has done that we need to get a hold of again. We need to revisit that. And that is exactly that, that He has done this amazing thing to give His Son for our sin. And that He has opened the way for you and I to be in the presence Of Him. And He's done this through Jesus Christ. You don't have to do anything. Just come. Just believe. And come. And repent. You don't have to to go do works. You don't have to get to a certain place. You don't have to arrive to some kind of perfection. It's done. Jesus said it is finished. And when He said it, the veil rent in two. The Word became flesh and He tabernacled. He lived for a season in the wilderness of a sinful world in order that He could go to that place of sacrifice. And there being sacrificed, He has has taken you to the labor and washed you clean so that you may come into the presence of... Of a holy God and live. I want want some moment in time this Christmas for you to just be interrupted by the Holy Spirit, and that's what I'm praying for. Is that you are absolutely interrupted and captured. I'm not I'm not saying I'm praying for God to do something weird to you. Please understand that. I, I, if something weird happens to you, don't blame me, because that, <laughs> that wasn't, that wasn't, that's not my prayer, all right? You say, well, your prayers probably are not going to do that. You know, I don't know. I prayed for this lady in, in, in the hospital once. I was a chaplain, and this family came, and they called me, and, and they said, uh, Mom's suffering, and, and it's getting long and we don't know what to do and we're all exhausted and could you just pray for her? She's just really struggling. And I said, yeah, I can pray for her. Are you okay with me just praying how I feel to pray? And they said, sure, just go ahead. And I put my hand up by her like this and by her, by her, her, her face and she had her hair kind of down on that side and I just, I just cupped her. And I said, Lord, she's just suffered so much and could you just take this suffering away? And as soon as I said, take this suffering away, she went, she was gone. She died. Her sister was, was in awe. Her daughter, there was two of them, she, she, she said, this is, this is amazing. And her other daughter looked at me and said, don't you ever pray for me. <laughs> I'm praying for you. That God will interrupt your life this Christmas. And that He will do something unbelievably impacting for you. I want Him to get your attention. So be, be, be watchful, be mindful of that. There may be a point where God just taps you and says, hey, this is it. This is it. And where the Holy Spirit gets to speak to you and really capture you and kind of pull you away for a moment. There's two reasons I want that to happen. See, I think that although the Israelites didn't understand this typology, they they didn't understand what we understand because we have Jesus and we see it differently. But I think they understood this amazing sense of the greatness of God and his presence and somewhat of an unapproachability that could only change, it could only shift if there was a sacrifice made. And so they understood their their separation. They understood the, the uncleanness of it all. They understood the weight and the impact of sin. I think we've lost that. We've missed that here. Okay? But they understood that. And they realized what they had to to do to to be able to, to be in the presence of God and to be forgiven. And all they had was this sense of, there's God over there. He's in the Holy of Holies. Some say when he when when they looked for his presence in the holy of holies at many times they would see god breathing the tent would move the breath of god was alive and they were drawn to that to that reality that god was there in some way but they didn't have the ability to approach him they didn't have the liberty to truly come into his presence and know him. But Jesus said, It is finished. And the bell was rent in twain. And even though he was buried three days later, he rose from the dead. And for a little bit longer, he tabernacled and taught. And then he ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he is interceding, where the incense is real. It, it has body to it for you and I and the Israelites didn't they didn't have that that we have they didn't have that understanding that revelation that we have that experience that we have but I think they understood this holiness of God and how unapproachable he was and this amazing thing that happens when sacrifice takes place and I think that's something that you and I need to come back to and 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 we need to experience that in a very real way. Because it's more than the baby who came. The word was made flesh, yes, a baby came. But he tabernacled among us. He was here for a short period of time with purpose and with intent. And that was to come and die for your sins. And and, and we we need to understand that. For ourselves... We need to understand that. It'll make a difference in how you approach God. Now, I'm very concerned that we are approaching God without really a good sense of, a good good understanding of this is the holy God. This is the Lord God Jehovah, the creator of heaven and earth. This is the God who breathes life, but also judges sin. This is that great God that we will stand before. And I think that we need to approach Him in such a way. If I I understand how great the cost is, it makes me value the gift all that much more. And so I want you in this Christmas season to understand the cost. I want want God to speak this to you. And that that is my desire. But here's the other reason that I want you to be impacted. Not just that you get a greater revelation of the holiness of God which I think the earth needs right now. But I know, I know the struggles that many of you have gone through this year. And we stand up and we talk about what a great year in the pulpit. The joy of preaching a, a, a year-long series on nothing but Jesus. What a great joy to do that. But for some of you, this has been a very, very hard year for your life and for your extended family. And some of you have battled some things and struggled with some things and carried some things that, that no one should, should necessarily have to carry except for the fact that we live in a fallen and sinful world. And we're confronted with that every day. But that's, that, And I'm not excusing anything. I believe that it is important for you and I to understand that this God, this holy God, who has always made a way, will continue to do so. He doesn't quit. He doesn't give up. Jesus came and tabernacled among us. He is dwelling with us. And He is approachable to you. You can come to Him. He invites you. Come to me, you who are heavy and burdened. And what does he say? I will give you rest. And I dare say that though David and I know a lot about a number of you and the difficult things that you've been through in this year, there are some of you that no one knows what you've carried. No one knows. In preparing for this Honestly, I had had much more of a a teaching outline and, and, and a number of things. But this is where God led me. And I couldn't get away from it. And he led me to this point. That he is your only strength. He is your only sustenance. You can't get it anywhere else. There is no other place to get what you need but God. And you don't have to fight to do that. He's made the way. The veil is torn in two. That you may enter the Holy of Holies. You may call upon this God. You may petition this God, the Creator, through His Son, Jesus Christ. And I don't know what all those things are that you've gone through in this year. And and there's a few of you that And I'm speaking, in a sense, prophetically to you here. And it is to encourage you not to um, discourage you. But here's what I feel like God said to me, is saying to me, is that for some in the body of Christ, the hardest times have not yet come. The hardest times have not yet come. And so I want you to be strong and of good courage. I want you to be able to handle what's out there in front of you. And if if the best you see is yourself, if you're your only answer, you're your only strength, you'll never make it. it's not even good enough if if i look at me and i come by a brother and say okay together we can do this it's not enough no matter the giftings of my brother it's just not enough you you can't go it alone and you can't go it with just a brother or sister you can't put your stock in someone else It's only going to be in God. And Jesus tabernacled. Just like in the wilderness, there, there was a point where the Israelites came into the land. And, and the temple was built and all of that. And you know, you know how that went historically. But here's what I want you to understand. In that wilderness journey, in that place, in that season of life, Israel needed to know it had a God who was big enough to lead into this promise. Now here's where it gets exciting. You have promise. Every one of you, every one of you has promised. God has promised you something. You say, I didn't get that. I didn't get a, I don't have a word from God yet. There's something in you. There's a dream. There's a desire. There's a hope. There's something. There's a longing. God has promised something. And with God, he will bring it about if you, if you align yourself with God, He will bring it about. He brought the Israelites into the promise. He will be faithful to do that with you. Now, like the Israelites, you may have to go the long way around. But here's the beautiful picture. Regardless of when And where, when God said, pack it up and move, the Israelites took the temple, the tabernacle, with them. It journeyed with them everywhere they went. Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's here. He's here. He's with you. And I want to challenge you that you get a much bigger picture of God and you see what Jesus has done to open the door for you to come to Him boldly and without hesitation. And then you get in there and get close to God and let Him journey with you through your wilderness and take you into your promise.